Welcome to the Get Out and Try podcast. I'm your host, Katie Axel. This episode is brought to you by ID Shield, the most comprehensive identity theft protection and reputation management solution available. ID Shield provides credit monitoring and alerts, digital privacy management, and guaranteed restoration services. I use it myself and you can get it too. Visit getoutandtry.wearelegalshield.com. That's getoutandtry.wearelegalshield.com. I don't know anything about ice fishing, and this episode certainly showcases that. Properly titled Ice Fishing 101, I get to sit down with Jeremiah Walters, who is a naturalist with Wild Rivers Conservancy, and I get to ask all of those elementary 101 level questions about ice fishing. So if you don't know anything about ice fishing, this is your episode. And they've got a lot of opportunities for you to get out and try ice fishing with Wild Rivers Conservancy. Check it out. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having us. It's super cool. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about what we get to do. So yeah, absolutely. The last time that I had someone from your organization on it was St. Croix River Association, and you are now Wild Rivers Conservancy. Has that been half a year now or a full year now? Gosh, that's a good question. I think uh, it's definitely not been a full year, but okay. let's see, it was May, so just over six months. Okay. Uh, it was towards the end of May, May 24th, I want to say, or somewhere in that week. Okay. Um, when we made the switch to Wild Rivers Conservancy. Yeah. Okay. And I know we posted the the audio as a podcast short for the video showing why that change was made. Do you want to talk a little bit about why that change happened? Yeah. So how I always get to explain it when people ask me is we're more than a lake association. When people hear the word like river association, I feel like they uh, they associate it with like a lake association where it's just uh, homeowners around the lake that want to like protect their lake, which is great, but we're watershed wide. We do more than just, you know, protect the body of water. We're, we're expanding out. So like next week we'll be up in Moose Lake, Minnesota, which is still within our watershed, but we're going to be teaching uh, ice fishing and snowshoeing to kiddos up there uh, through our rivers, our live program. So the St. Croix national scenic riverway also encompasses the Namakagan River. So we're the official friends group of the St. Croix National Scenic Riverway. But when people up in Hayward, Wisconsin, along the Namakagan, when we show up there as the St. Croix River Association, they don't associate us with the Namakagan. So once we became the Wild Rivers Conservancy of the St. Croix and Namakagan, that's that's a good ba- a good uh, a good reason why we changed the name. Got it. Has it been received pretty positively? I think so. I mean, we've been putting on more events up there as we're coming out of COVID, but uh, people are starting to see our name as Wild Rivers Conservancy and question what it is up there. So uh, it's good to be able to get those thoughts moving in your head, in their heads about, oh, this is a, 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 a group that's protecting the river that we have right here in our backyard. So Yeah. And you are a naturalist with the organization. What does that mean? <laughs> So uh, the title naturalist is definitely not one given, it's earned. So I should always say I'm a naturalist in training because there's always something to learn. But with my position, I get to uh, take people out on the river and uh, within the the boundaries of the river. So 
uh, snowshoeing. We did a winter camping back in uh, December. In the summertime, I think I just added it up not too long ago, but I did well over 120 miles on the river uh, with other people. Um, so yeah, it, it's a fun job where I get to go out and just explore and learn more. So I get people out on the river or within the river area. So, and so you have programs year round and the thing that brought us together today is your ice fishing program. And so talk a little bit about that. So our ice fishing program is uh, new kind of to us. So last year uh, we got to work with Minnesota Trout Unlimited um, on the Minnesota side, of course, uh, to help. Usually it was with K through 12 or homeschool groups taking kids out ice fishing. It was fun and we really enjoyed it. And I think it was back in the summertime, this grant rolled around from the National Park Foundation and uh, it gave us the opportunity to apply for it. And it was focused on the junior angler ranger grant applications, what we applied for. And uh, we titled it, Let's Go Ice Fishing, so we could get people out in the watershed ice fishing. um, So that way we could definitely keep going year round. I mean, snowshoeing is fun and I think everyone loves snowshoeing, but it's nice to mix it up a little bit when you have... uh, opportunities to do that or to, to go ice fishing. Yeah. So you're offering multiple dates that people can actually try ice fishing for the first time and you'll provide everything. Yeah. So with that grant, we were able to purchase an ice auger. We have 30 rods. We're, we're not doing any tip up fishing, so I can get more into the, the bones of ice fishing later, but uh, the typically what we're doing is just jigging for panfish. So we uh, bought 30 rods, so that allows us to get 30 people out at a time. We bought uh, two types of fish finders, an underwater camera and a Vexlar, which is like a flasher. It's a pretty cool instrument. I think it uses sonar, and it just shows you where the bottom is, where your bait is, and then if there's a fish, it shows you that as well. So it's it's pretty cool, the, the stuff we were able to get through this grant, and then to be able to go out and actually do these programs. But yeah, we have, we were able to supply everything and uh, try to get people out as much as possible. So I have never been ice fishing. And never. <laughs> I, yeah, I've never. I think I was always busy skiing when I was growing up. And I, it's funny because in the next couple of weeks, we're actually going to be joining some friends for ice fishing. Nice. So I'm going to ask you all of my 101 level questions so that I'm prepared for that. <laughs> Please do. I'll do my best to answer them. So you already mentioned one that I want to ask about tip up fishing versus jigging for panfish. I think you said. Yeah. So Help. what's that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So jigging is typically just the typical picture that you'll see on. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm relating it to um like a beer case right now like like when it shows like when you go into a gas station and there's a case of beers and uh they have like a typical little like picture of someone like sitting on a bucket sitting over a hole that's what I think of when I think of jigging it's just that like you just uh you're sitting over a hole you have a little metal jig um which looks like I don't know exactly what it looks like. I mean, there's, there's different types of jigs, but what we're using is just a little, um, a little jig that you'd use for walleye in the springtime or something. And then we tip it with a maggot and then drop that down the hole and you just bounce it a couple times and hope that a fish bites it. And the nice thing about jigging is that it's, you're able to kind of just pick up and go. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't take much time. Uh, You just, if you're not catching fish in one spot, you can move to another spot, drill a hole, sit there. And it allows you to do that. Whereas tip up fishing, 
that one takes a little bit more time and patience where you um, set up tip ups and uh, you bait them with minnows and they're fun because they let you go do things like jigging. Like if you wanted to jig while you have a tip up out, it just allows you to do that or play. Like when I was a kid, I would usually just play catch like with a football, we'd bring it on the ice and wait for the flags to go up. Um, mm-hmm. But that one takes a little more time because you have to sit down, drill a hole, you know, do all the stuff. And then you have to wait for a fish. And if you're in the wrong spot, you just, you're in the wrong spot. You can usually move around, but I mean, it just takes a little more time than fishing. It's not as portable, I'd say. Yeah. So let's talk about digging the actual hole. Let's, let's pretend I got to go out there and I don't have you with to help me. There are different types of augers that exist. Yep. There's the manual hand auger, which is a tough (laughs) one, right? (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Those ones. uh, I I had one of those when I was in high school um, and it was nice, you know, they're lightweight and they, you don't have to pack so much like the gas powered ones are pretty heavy. And to drag that out on the ice, if you have a, if you have a sled is just a lot of work. Whereas with a, a hand auger, you can get it done and uh, you're going to be sweating by the time you drill your fo- first hole, but at least it's, you know, not loud and everything. There's hand augers. There's what we're using is an electric auger, which is super cool. It's uh, they're pretty new technology within the past like five years, but we've, uh, we got one of them and maybe it's 10 years. I'm sorry. But uh, it's just, it's super fast and it like drills a hole like a gas powered auger and it drills it fast and it's lightweight and uh you can recharge it so you don't have to buy gas, you know? And then there's the, obviously the gas powered augers, which they're nice too. Yeah. And then I think there's like some propane augers out there that are powered by propane. I should just say fuel power augers, yeah. like gas and propane. Yep. But, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, the, that's pretty, that's a big uh, necessity when it comes to ice fishing. You definitely need an auger. Yeah. Um, you know, in early season, uh, when people are out there on like three to four inches of ice, they'll use a chisel. Mm-hmm. We're definitely past that. So chiseling a, a hole through 20 inches of ice is just, I would re- not recommend it to anybody. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's talk fishing license, because I think that's something that someone at the 101 level might not even know that they need. Yeah. Um, so the first question would be for your let's go ice fishing series, does someone need to buy a fishing license to be able to attend that? So if you're over the eight, I think it's works for both States. Um, definitely check with your local regulations before you go out on your own. Um, but I believe for both States, if you're over the age of 16, you need a fishing license. Okay. Um, and a lot of these fishing programs that we're doing, they're open to anybody but we've been getting a lot of kiddos who are under the age of 16, so they don't need to worry about it. But if their parents want to ice fish, they'll need uh, a license. Okay. However, in both uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin, we just did it two weeks ago. Um, they have a free fishing weekend in um, one in winter and then one in summer. So that's where no one needs a fishing license. And uh, yeah, it's a great little incentive that the states do. Okay. So the winter one's already done. So yes, yep. get your fishing license if you're going to do this and you're over exactly. 16. Yep. And what does that fishing license allow? What, what's the purpose of a license? That's a great question because a lot of people don't see it. I think they just see it as, oh, I need to have a license. To, <laughs> they to want more of my money. <laughs> right. Exactly. But um, no, the fishing license goes towards conservation. It goes towards, you know, the fees that we pay as outdoors people. It, it, 
it's it's going to something. It's not just going straight into the state to do anything else, but it, it, it's focused on, you know, conservation of natural resources. So for fishing, that money goes to fisheries, uh, goes to fishing habitat, you know, rest- restoration within streams or lakeshores. So like for the Wisconsin, since I'm, so I'm a Wisconsinite, I have to buy a fishing license and then a trout fishing stamp when I want to go fishing for trout. It's a one-time thing, but it costs $10 extra onto your fishing license. But that extra $10 goes straight back into trout stream habitat restoration throughout the state. So it's a super cool thing that the DNR does with the money. So it's not just they're taking our money. So, yeah. So when you get that trout stamp, that allows you to catch and keep trout? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And let's talk about the whole catch and release versus catch and keep. Yeah. How do you keep track of that? And how do you know when it's okay to do what? (laughs) So for what we're doing with our ice fishing, we're doing just catch and release because Mm -hmm. it's easier that way. Mm -hmm. And if I'm being honest, we haven't even caught a fish yet. (laughs) So (laughs) I, not to, I don't want to say that because I don't want people being like, Oh, we can't even get us on a fish. I mean, that's one of the best lessons to learn about fishing is, it's called fishing for a reason and not catching. So it's like, it takes time and patience. So we're doing catch and release um, just because it's easier to keep track of, you know, we're not just leaving fish out on the ice, you know, like in the, in, if I go on my own, it all depends. If I, if I'm able to catch a meal's worth and keep catching them, then I'll definitely keep, you know, the, the allotted limit that I'm allowed to. just because fish is tasty. I love eating fish and mm-hmm. being a Wisconsin night, fish fries uh, are like <laughs> the best thing to look forward to at the end of the week, you know? Yep. Um, so yeah, that's what so we're how, doing. how does someone go about knowing how much they can keep if they plan to keep stuff for a meal? It's, it's tricky because it used to be easier when this is my own political ideas now. <laughs> They're not too I need political. to edit it out or is it okay <laughs> right. to keep it? <laughs> no, I, I think I think we could keep it, but your your call. Um when it, it used to be that you had to go to a place like Walmart or a local gas station to buy your fishing license. And when you get your fishing license, they give you a regulation handbook. You can still get these handbooks um, in both Wisconsin and Minnesota at different places. So it's still nice, but it was nice when you had to go get your license at a different place because then you walk away with one. But now they made it super convenient. See, it's not even that really political because I'm excited about both options. (laughs) Um, I like the convenience of being able to buy my license online. So Mm -hmm. for these ice fishing programs, I had to get a Minnesota license since we're doing some programs in Minnesota. It was nice just to be able to do it from my computer, my desk right here and uh, not have to worry about anything else. And I, I, you print it off and it gives you instructions of how to fold it or whatever, um, if you want to laminate it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super convenient, but that, that whole thing of not having a physical regulation handbook in your hand, mm-hmm. um, you can look them up online too, uh, okay. both in Minnesota and Wisconsin for, for the specific year. So 2021 to 2022 is the year you'd look for, and, uh, it'll tell you, what you can and can't keep, uh, how many of what you can keep. Mm-hmm. And some, some lakes are super specific about that. Um, yep. but they'll usually have that posted at the boat launch. Okay. So, yeah. Another long answer for, <laughs> no, that's it's, it's good information. And again, it's very one oh one. So if there's a nice fisherman that's listening to this, just rolling their eyes, apologies, but at the same <laughs> yeah. time, 
again, I've never been, I've been fishing as a kid, uh, in the summertime, but yeah. I feel like there's a couple of different elements. And that's the other thing is there's, there's different fishing licenses for different seasons, correct? So kind of, so like my, both Wisconsin and Minnesota, my license expire, I think at the end of March or at the beginning of March. Okay. And then you buy an annual one. I know if you're doing something super specific. So like if I just wanted to buy my regular hook and line ice fishing light, or I shouldn't even say ice fishing, fishing license Mm -hmm. that covers me for the whole year from end of March to the next end of March for the whole year for ice fishing or fishing or whatever. So, but if I want to fish for trout, that's a different thing that you have to buy. Some seasons start later. So Wisconsin's fishing, like typical fishing season starts in, I think it's the first Saturday of May Mm -hmm. and we'll go until ice fishing, but some species are off limit between periods, like in early season of trout fishing where it's catch and release only. So that Mm -hmm. starts uh, in the first Saturday of January to the first Saturday of May. So you can go trout fishing and catch and release, but then once May rolls around, you can start keeping those trout if that's what you'd like to do. So Um, when people talk about fishing opener, that refers to being able to keep fish at that time, right? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. That's a good way. So many new things. (laughs) Well, good. This is is helpful for me. I feel like once I go out to another ice fishing event, I'll just like, so I'm new to this, obviously, like I've ice fished all my life, but I've never really taught it. So it's kind of good to go through these like questions and it'll help me think of how to do a program. We're going to pause here. Stay tuned for next week when part two comes out and we talk about what happens once you actually catch that fish, if you want to take it home and make a meal out of it. And we also talk about what kind of fish you are going to find when you go fishing. And I'll tell a childhood story about a very unique fish that I caught when I was a little kid. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the podcast. That's one of those small ways that you can help support the podcast and help others to find it. Make sure you're also visiting getoutandtry.com often, keeping you connected to the calendar of fun and happenings in the St. Croix Valley area. Until next time, find some ways to connect with your community. Support those hardworking small businesses that host all the fun in the valley. Go, get out and try.